Welcome to the sixth episode uh, of the fourth season of HyperTalks. Um, we start out with our main heroes. Thank you, Beppo Studios, for your continued support. We truly love you. Uh, amazing group of people. And uh, here today to host the program, it's me, Lin, again. Uh, and with me, I'm very excited. It's been a while, Ku. <laughs> I didn't realize how long it's been. <laughs> I know. You and me. That's good. Welcome, Ku. Thank you. And behind the scenes is Eric today, working it. Yes. And then we have Nitin George, all the way back in Delhi, India. Yes. Nice place to be. He'll report later how yes. it was, his vacation. Uh, today's topic is about engaging the customer in the digital era. And uh, we have a wonderful guest with us today. We're so happy to have him. It's uh, Kieran Clinton Tarestad. Correct. Well yeah, done, Yes. Pat on the shoulder. <laughs> and he is the chief digital officer at this hot brand. Oh my gosh. Sneakers and stuff. Wow. And uh, I'm just going to introduce the topic a little bit. It's um, sneakers and stuff. And if we refer to it as SNS, then you know what we mean. It's sneakers and stuff has successfully cultivated a strong physical and digital community around the brand. And a community that's so engaged and influential that the brands like Nike and Adidas are now turning to uh, sneakers and stuff to validate their designs and highlighted by... It was highlighted in an article that we've used to inspire this episode in Forbes, actually. So that's what we're going to be talking to Karen about today. Uh, but Karen, we're going to introduce you to what we call a check-in. Um, it's something that we do at Hyper Island. So hyper. Yes, so hyper. <laughs> You're already in the bubble. Welcome. And so today's uh, check-in question is, uh, what song describes your current mood? Who wants to go first? I gotta go first here. No, you don't have to. I mean, cool. You oh, came up with the question. It's a hyper <laughs> question. It's just a typical hyper check. I didn't get yeah. this from hyper. Though. Okay. I got it somewhere okay. online. Mm. Uh, but I can go first since I did write this. Um, I've been listening to a lot of disco. Oh, yeah, good on you. Um, so I think my current mood song is Diana Ross, "The mm. Boss." Oh, yes, nice classic. Okay, I'm, I've got a good one. I'm, I'm yeah. kind of going with "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star." <laughs> Just had a just had a baby four and a half months ago, and and pretty much my most my mood right now is trying to figure out how I can get more sleep. Yeah, that's why when we walk, and I'm into singing this, it quite a lot. Yeah, and that's when we walk into this room and it's like soundproof, you're like, I could sleep in here. <laughs> Maybe just put the baby in here. Yeah, you know, I can sleep outside. <laughs> should have brought the baby. <laughs> oh, I'm so. What should I choose? Um... Okay, cool. You need to help me out. Okay. And then, like, a good summer vibe, like, a feel vacation is around the corner song. What would that be? Like, Will Smith, Summertime. Very good one. Oh, that is very a good. One. good. I would Thank not good to get say that. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> you I'm wanna, excited. You don't want to know the song I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. I'm going to go with that one. Good. It, it fits the topic, yes. I think, as well. That's it. Cool. So, we checked in. Um, and uh, let's start out finding out who Kieran is. So you're the chief digital officer um, at SNS today. Um, but tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up at sneakers and stuff? And, and who are you? Yeah. 
yeah, I think I'll get to the Chief Digital Officer title in a minute. But uh, so I'm, you might be able to hear, I am actually English. Mm-hmm. Uh, grew up in a small island, but ended up doing computer science at university. Uh, really got into the internet. This is back in 2001, 2002. Uh, but went the safe option and actually did my accountancy exams. Mm-hmm. So I was working for KPMG, um, but kind of knew I was just doing that to get a professional qualification. And once I got that qualification, I left KPMG, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and, and actually joined an internet pure player in London called I Want One of Those as their chief financial officer or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and the more I got into the kind of finances behind running an internet pure player, the more I got into actually just running online companies, digital marketing, uh, and decided to make a kind of a big career change and leave kind of finance and all those kind of things behind and, and jump into e-commerce purely. Did a few different agencies in London. That's kind of the way you do agency life in London. Uh, worked with some great uh, high street UK uh, fashion companies like Ted Baker, Reese. Uh, one of them was also Gantt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I decided to leave the agency and Gantt approached me in London to kind of set up their e-commerce. It was the first place they were setting up e-commerce was in the UK. Um, and after a couple of years at Gantt in the UK, they decided to set up uh, e-commerce like centrally from Gantt is a Swedish company or, or the headquarters at least is, is in Stockholm. Uh, and uh, they decided to like basically create a team here. And once they had a team here, they had a lady running it and she went on uh, maternity leave and they said, hey, come over for like six months and cover for maternity leave. Uh, jumped at the chance to do that as my father's Swedish, so come back to Sweden, uh, the family back in Sweden. Uh, and six months turned into, well, it's been six years I've been in Sweden now. Oh, wow. So in, in that case, in that particular case, she decided to not come back from maternity leave after a year. Uh, and so, yeah, I ended up staying and, and I persuaded my girlfriend who moved it over now my wife to kind of come to sweden we've been dating about a year and a half and so come on come to sweden for six months you know it would just be a fun trip Uh, (laughs) we arrived we we arrived we we arrived at the end of august and uh we went to trey gordon that was the place to go perhaps still is and uh we had a great time it was like so busy we're like we asked one of the like you know hostesses or whatever we asked okay what's what's going on why is it so busy like oh it's the closing party (laughs) and then and then started six months of winter (laughs) Uh, but anyway, we, we enjoyed it enough to still be here. Yeah. And she uh, stayed with you. And she stayed with me. Yes. Now my wife, we've got kids, so super <laughs> happy with that and surprising. Uh, and anyway, I, I joined Sneak and Stuff two years ago uh, after having been at Gamp for six or seven years uh, as their chief digital officer, which is kind of an interesting title in today's age. Mm. Um, I technically, probably shouldn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, Sneak and Stuff is a digital first business. We have six stores now in uh, Stockholm, London, Paris, Berlin, New York, and LA, and we're opening up in Tokyo in a couple of months' time. Uh, but we're still at like 90% online business. And of course, 100% of our customers are, are finding out about us online. So, uh, my responsibilities today are essentially digital sales, marketing, because again, everything we do from a marketing perspective is for reach customers in a digital way even if we're doing physical events uh and uh it customer service um yeah content yeah, the whole everything bit of everything not buying not finance no uh and we have a great creative director who works on all the creative parts as well cool why do you say the role shouldn't exist anymore yeah it feels like uh there used to be like chief electricity officers kind of thing when electricity first came out really it was so new to everyone 
they had like you know head of electricity <laughs> and, and you can, you can like, understand saying the same and then obviously they realize well electricity is just gonna be through everything so maybe we just everyone needs to understand how electricity works in the business and i feel like the same now with digital like everything's digital sneaker stuff is a not a unique case but being you know so online primarily uh it probably we're talking right now it probably shouldn't exist but even in you know as i was at other companies what you know what is digital like it probably shouldn't be a separate department anymore uh you're talking about how you know we're talking about omnichannel how does how's e-commerce and retail work together if you've got a digital team they're going to focus on e-commerce and not how to drive sales overall and primarily the customer isn't there isn't a digital customer and an offline customer there's just a customer journey plenty of that will be digital um and you're seeing the same now i think with ai you're going to get like head of ai chief ai it'll be the same as it was with electricity in five years time or well, maybe not five years but maybe 10 years time you'll go through the same phase we have an ai team and a chief of ai until everyone realizes ai is just going to be through everything we do If you got to give yourself a title, what would it be then? Guru, Czar, and either no, I'm joking. Um, actually, I, we, we're in discussions right now, but I think a CMO today mm. has a responsibility. There's two things going on. One is the digital versus like offline. The other, I think, is sales and marketing. Mm. Again. I think much, like innovative companies are not really distinguishing between sales and marketing. There's a customer journey yeah. that is, you know, finding customers, mm. converting customers, retaining customers. And again, it's a bit weird to have if you have my experience, uh, I think many other people's experiences, if you have sales and marketing separated, then it feels like two different teams. Marketing, they're all artistic, going after fluffy things and there's no KPIs. And sales, they just want to sell, like discount everything, sell, sell, sell. And you get that kind of... Uh, the classic conflict in yeah. the office. It's, it's the such, a, such yeah. a classic conflict yeah. in organizations and I think it's missing the bigger picture that everybody should be trying to drive revenue, mm. short and long term. So actually, in that, I think the, the, the CMO position should be responsible for like growth marketing sales marketing retention marketing uh, and that's why it's probably closer to a CMO position mm. makes sense uh, so what drew you to SMS yes uh, so I'd been at uh, Gantt I think like a good good time six years and we, we've gone really far with our digital uh, and e-commerce kind of initiatives uh, and I was kind of yeah I, I was approached by sneaking stuff at first you know I live in Soda Mound trying to be that you know Soda Mound hipster uh, and you know it was going around Soda Mound at the weekends popping into Grandpa and popping to, to, to sneaking stuff and when they approached me I was like oh, you know, it's, it's a small store in Soda Mound like it's not like I'm too good for this I'm too big for this uh, but obviously when I heard about the company and what they're doing and how fast they're growing I saw a huge opportunity so I you know I wanted to work in a fast growing company Uh, I wanted to have that wider remit beyond just digital to, mm. to more of an effective CMO position. Uh, and I wanted to work for a digital-first company. I think um, in other companies, there still is quite a lot of digital transformation piece to done. Um, so those three things. Uh, but I would say that be careful for what you wish for. <laughs> Because you know, I wanted to work for a fast-growing company. You know, we're growing crazy fast. Uh, well, you know, we're growing very fast, mm. uh, like 80, 85% last year and pretty much the same this year. Uh, and we aren't selling a digital product. We're still selling physical products. So there's still that many more boxes to ship, that many more customers to deal with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, that's, we, we are, have the 
all the benefits and all the excitement of a fast-growing company, but then all the challenges as well of a, of a company where processes perhaps weren't put in place in the beginning to, to support this kind of business. Um, and then, of course, more responsibility is great. Uh, but again, in a small company, some days, um, you know, still answering customers on Twitter or, or Instagram and other days figuring out how we're going to win, you know, online and how we're going to win in Japan overall. So it's very high it's a broad spectrum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is which is what makes it exciting as well. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. And they've been around for 20 years, right? It's 20, year this, 20 years yeah. this year. Yeah, Eric and Shatha, yeah. Eric and Peter. And I read somewhere that they actually, from the beginning, they had online, like... Uh, I think, yeah, 2000, I think pretty much like six months later, yeah. they, they they had online. I think their idea at the time was, yeah, we can do an online business. Yeah. But recognizing that back then, especially the niche that they were into, which is kind of like wearing sportswear shoes for fashion, mm. was very much a niche back then. Um, but of course, the whole internet wasn't really set up back then. Uh, but we have some great screenshots of like, like the first sneakers and stuff website. Oh. It's just as you expected to look. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's really interesting because I mean, twenty year heritage. They've been online basically since the beginning. But you said that ninety percent of the business is e commerce, and ten percent is I'm assuming in store. Yeah, it varies at any quarter, right? Between, but it, it's between eighty and ninety percent. So how do you how do you you and your team balance that? Balance the sales. I mean, the customer kind of chooses for us. I mean, I guess the attention you would put, like, because I, like, I think naturally someone would assume that like ninety percent, uh, like online sales, ten percent in stores. Mm. I'm gonna put a lot more of my attention to what's happening online versus in store. But I feel I maybe this is an assumption on my behalf, but I feel like SNS has a really balanced approach to that. Yeah, in fact, it's, it's it's probably more in terms of attention. It's probably reversed. Um, so, you know, we do a lot of in-store events. Uh, our kind of we really try and connect locally with the customer. Like in the niche that we're in, you need to have the that community believe in you and be along with you, and they will then influence the the wider people. So. We essentially run two businesses. You can just kind of simplify it, but kind of put it down as two businesses. One is hype sneaker market, uh, where the demand for sneakers is so much higher than the supply. And that's a phenomenon that's just kind of been exploding in the last couple of years. So we'll have big queues outside of our stores for releases. For online, you know, we used to initially just put the sneaker up uh, and it would just sell out you know, within an hour. Within six months, then people have written bots and scripts to just buy all the stock up as soon as you can, and then you try and like fight that for a while. Ultimately, it's a it's a war you're probably going to lose. So now we have an, we launched an app a couple of months ago, but before we had that same the same functionality via website, we essentially run what is a raffle for sneakers. Mm. So you if you want the sneakers, then you provide us your credit card information, uh, and then we'll do a random draw. Uh, and if you're lucky, then you get the chance to purchase the sneakers. And that business and that, that, that business model is really about making sure we continue to be positioned number one in, this, in the sneaker industry. Um, the more we create you know, great stores, create great in-store experiences, great social experiences, the more we're relevant to that consumer, the more the brands also believe in us and want to work with us, uh, the more of those sneakers we're going to get a hold of. And that grows that business. And then the other side is what I consider traditional e-commerce business, where it's e-commerce 101, trying to sell sneakers that you know other people have, that the, the demand isn't higher than supply, and there it's all your e-commerce best practices. Cool. This might seem like a stupid question. I don't no know. No stupid question. <laughs> 
But how do you guys measure success outside of sne- sneaker sales? Um, yeah, I mean, it's not a stupid question. That's a massive question. That's a really like that's a really fundamental question um, because. Again, we, it, the key to our business is continuing to be the most relevant sneaker account in each city. So it's kind of how, how do you measure that? Of course, we're measuring like social follows, etc., newsletter subs- subscribers, app downloads. But in terms of like brand perception, we're really looking at you know how how many collaborations do we get to do with the brands? What kind of shoes do we get to collaborate on? Are we going to get? Are we getting to collaborate on the best silhouettes or silhouettes that are old? Um, and how many think just as simple as how many brands or, or influencers are approaching us to do events with us? So that's kind of a, you know that, as you referred to from the Forbes article, that's kind of the change is that not the change, but we're not inundated, but we have a lot of requests come in like we want to do an event with you, we want to like partner with you, and I think that for us is also something we measure if the right people are like okay, we want to do a collaboration with you, uh, then then that's a measure of success for us as well. Cool. Cool. Uh, how involved is your team in forecasting like future trends? So we are maybe slightly different from uh, other organizations in that we are buying, we try and be buying led. Uh, it took me a while to get my head around that instead of consumer led and just focusing on the consumer, but thinking about the product and thinking about actually what is the right product and then pushing the consumer to, to like that product. So mm. like that's kind of our... USP, if you want, we 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 curate. You are curating the best products that we believe are the trend, mm-hmm. and then we're hoping or helping consumers like come into that trend. So it, it would say it's not so much my team from the marketing side; it's actually the buying team. Okay, they're very much focused on what's the next trend, like what what kind of silhouettes do we want to get into. Obviously, the dad sneaker is something everybody knows about now, but you know. Well, you know, you need to see that trend happening and buy into it and be part of it. And you know, it's not we don't on our own validate the dad sneaker trend. It's obviously a much wider kind of uh, environment, but we're part of that kind of environment that's validating those trends. Yesterday, uh, when we were talking, uh, I was reading through the manuscript, and Ku um, uh, had written omni-channel mm. all over the manuscript, <laughs> and I go. Shoot, I've heard this, but now I'm going to be in this pod and I need to actually... We can talk about Omnichannel. Let's talk about Omnichannel. I mean, you're a bit of an expert. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Putting all on you. Yeah, the Omnichannel's a fun one. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, it it was Mm multi-channel when it started. Okay. People would shop on and offline. And then suddenly in all the conferences and stuff, it's Omnichannel's the new new buzzword. It is just talking about how people shop on and offline. Mm. And and the current one we're playing with is Fidgetal. Physical and digital. Oh, excuse me. Digital. I like that. We're trying, to make, we're trying to get that one to stick. But, uh, but, we'll so, start working at it. Hyper. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, at, it, at its basis, obviously, it's just like people's shopping habits and mm. that some people shop on and offline. And then, you know, all the, all the research shows people who shop on and offline spend more. It's like, well, well, yeah. I mean, they're at least shopping twice then. So mm. you've got repeat customer versus a single customer. But... Um, I think at a basic level, there's kind of, I think it's like six or seven things to tick your box. If you're like in my position, you're like, okay, we're going to do omnichannel. Mm. Something of a tick box exercise. You say, okay, we're going to offer that if you pay online, you can pick up in store. That's like tick box number one. Mm. Tick box number two, you have a gift card that works on and offline. 
tick box number three, you have a CRM, like a loyalty program that works on and offline. Tick box number four, you do return. If you buy online, you can return in store. Tick box number five is that you go into store, you have an iPad, and in, on the iPad you can sit, you can purchase in store, you can purchase all the, uh, physically you can purchase all the digital stocks, also called Endless Isle. And tick box number six is that online you have access to the uh, physical stock. So when you're shopping online, you can also like have to deliver to your home the physical stock. Um, and that's... Uh, that's all good. Uh, and at Gantt, we went through like da, 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 and did them all out. And it, it's for a company like Gantt, it really like it offers incremental sales. Each one is like adding another five percent to the sales, five percent to the sales. Um, and there's a, we can talk about each one. There's like big challenges with with some of them, like endless aisle. How do you get this? You know, how do you train and educate the store staff to really want to like if someone comes in to bring out the iPad and say, hey, we actually have this size online. It can be delivered to your home tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you incentivize? Because it often comes down to the incentivization, who gets credit for the sale, etc. Um, and we haven't done that sneakers and stuff. We don't have, you go into a store, you don't see a big digital display. You know, like if you go to Burberry, I think, or Nike, they're kind of best in class. Mm. So it ha- because it doesn't really fit in with our brand and what we're trying to project, um, as, you know, to be a community space, to be your local sneaker store. Um, it's almost a bit like cliche to have that big digital store it doesn't fit with our kind of brand mm. but we do have what we didn't do at Gantt and what we do have at sneakers and stuff is that if you buy online you don't actually know where the stock's coming from it could be any of our stores um, and that to be honest is the biggest just from a sales perspective is the biggest thing to unlock like all the others are nice uh, the CRM program you know if you do it right can be massive as well but the biggest kind of uh, unlock of growth potential is opening up all that physical stock to, to your online customers so that's only channel done you are a guru you're uh, better than google <laughs> i got it now i, I, I learned it all from google even. so maybe google yeah. i'll, I'll yeah. go to sage yeah uh-huh. i'm just gonna jump in but how yeah. do you keep uh, with all of like in, even within that six point mm-hmm. checklist like and then you have the six stores and then you have the websites from all over like how how do you maintain the consistency it's a great question. I think it's like a. It's a personal thing. I'm trying to like figure out. I'm looking at Hyper Island, like for, for like uh, tips and tricks how to like you know, organize and how. So you guys know, got some great stuff there. But also like, how to how to focus. I definitely my biggest fear is like missing the wood for the trees. There's so much going on. A fast growing company, growing internationally. Like what am I missing? And. Uh, the thing is, right now, it's just in a growth phase. So it feels we're not doing like e We're not really doing much of the e commerce 101 stuff. So we're not doing conversion rate optimization. We're not doing a lot of paid search attribution modeling. Um, because actually, if we, we can kind of open up South Korea, like change the shipping method, do some like things to localize the checkout for South Korea, work with some affiliates in South Korea, and like boom, like just really open that market up. So we so really it's focusing on constantly i guess it's a classic matrix right of the like what's the least effort for the biggest impact and there's so for us there's still a lot in the low effort big impact uh and so we we, we we're gonna have to get to some of the other stuff the optimization later kind of nice too to know that you have that left that's it like in yeah. case of <laughs> yeah it really is actually yeah <laughs> like the basic stuff. really is it's just that i think um if you've come from a like again, if you worked in other companies where you're really constantly trying to get that five percent extra, that like which all adds up, right? Mm. Um, 
it's like it feels sometimes scary to to kind of leave that stuff behind it's like how much you want to pour in the top if you know you've got a leaky bucket do you when do you fix the leaky bucket when do you stop but right now i think you know there's opportunities to keep pouring at the top and it's served us very well we were talking about social shopping as mm. in on the instagram mm. you can yeah. go in and shop and you see everything like that but yeah. sneakers and stuff isn't really doing all no, of that stuff so and they've switched we we do i mean we tag products and you can click the product to come yeah. to the website um and social is a big channel for us still mm. i mean we've got like over a million followers on instagram and a couple hundred thousand on twitter um but i'm going to take a contrarian viewpoint here mm. uh like social this is strange coming from a digital chief digital officer <laughs> but i don't believe necessarily in the long-term viability of social mm. uh, as it has been as it's grown for a company like daniel wellington like the classic question you always get is why can't we do social like daniel wellington mm. it's like well it's very like you know, very different product not just the sneakers and stuff but you know and it's a different time like that first mover advantage had gone and if you look at uh, organic uh, reach on on instagram i mean it's going very much the same way as facebook mm. so facebook i think in 2000 and 13 or something you maybe reach 10% 12% of your followers like by 2017 18 it's like 0.2% organic reach if you want to reach you got to pay uh, and it, and we see the same trend happening to Instagram it's just a reminder to all businesses that when you you spend a lot of time and effort creating your community on Instagram or Facebook but it it's not your community mm. it's Instagram or Facebook's community that they like choose whether or not to give you access to um Not to say there's still a lot we could be doing on social. That there's a there's a way to win social, and that is to just create really engaging content that your audience loves. Mm. Because you know you, it's a simple as an algorithm. You've got to you've got to beat or or, or or adjust to. But you know what I see with the social shopping is yeah, this is obviously you know, Instagram is a business. It's not a charity. This is how how they're going to figure out how to monetize to this the, the most effort. So we're still focused on social. I said there's still a lot we could do. We still you know we still have good metrics by kind of the industry benchmarks, um, but we are also thinking about how do we grow our owned channels as well. So that's we launched an app a couple of months ago. Uh, you know website email like we've we've got to control that audience. Um, otherwise we're going to have to start paying for it and. Being a brand that you know does this is a paid advert sponsored by sneakers and stuff that's really against our brand DNA. Mm. Like that, almost as soon as you have to pay and it's seen to be paying, you kind of lose. Like you're a company, you're a business, and that's not really our positioning. Like we, and we kind of like that you've got to discover sneakers and stuff. Mm. Like a lot of the business that that you know on that kind of the top end of sneakers that we do. It's almost forget everything you know about retail and online. Throw it in a bin. Um, you'd say, okay, you know, you have that great conversion rate, great usability experience. It's like, no, if if, if the intent is there for people to buy the sneak, if you create that intent up front, you can have a terrible e-commerce experience. People will still like beg you for the ability to buy those sneakers. Yeah. Uh, and part of that is kind of creating that a on the, on the is, is creating a, like uh, the, their the perception. Is that the supply is uh, much lower than demand, but also like making it a little bit hard for people to find you. Like if 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 you just comes like you know, like me, like me, like me, like pay like pay for ads to like me, 
pay for ads on Facebook to, I mean, the biggest waste of time, like if you look in, in, in hindsight, is pay, you know, paid ads to like, like my Facebook page. You pay Facebook to get them to like your page and then Facebook asks you to pay again to reach those people. Um, so if you make it a little bit harder for people to find you, if they felt like they had to jump over a little hurdle to, to, to find you, then they're probably going to be more loyal anyway. Uh, and but once you know sneaking stuff kind of brand DNA is that once you've found sneaking stuff we're super inclusive everybody's welcome hmm. if you've if you've made the effort to find us then everybody's welcome hmm. and that's a little bit of a distinguishing point against our competitors who are still a little bit more exclusive like you go into their store you don't really feel welcome uh, and that's like, that's that's our brand positioning as I I, I put it that uh, you all had those cool kids at school everybody knows that like the cool bunch of kids at school smoking behind the bike shed <laughs> getting in trouble whatever <laughs> and uh, and you know most of them were kind of mean mm-hmm. you know they didn't talk to you mm-hmm. they're too you know they're too cool inclusive. but everybody knows everyone's had that kind of one or two people in that group that actually were also super nice yeah they would actually make the time if you and that's sneakers and stuff compared to our competitors. Mm. So it's kind of like when you walked around in Södermalm and you found the store and you're like, dang, this is cool. Exactly. It's like you came up with a secret that nobody else knew. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. and that's why our stores are often just off the kind of, I mean, Södermalm, when they opened that store up in 1990, I mean, it's moved a couple of doors down. Yeah. But you know, who puts a, a store, back then, who put a store there? And obviously, it's, it's still a little bit out of the way. Yeah. Um, and that's what we do. It's very low-key. I mean, yeah. it's not like yeah. a big sign. Yeah. So, I always walk past it. <laughs> that's a classic weekend like, to do. Like, where yeah. is yeah. it? <laughs> What's on the street? <laughs> Let's talk about like the fashion industry specifically. Like, where do you think people are getting um, omni-channel marketing wrong? Um, I mean, everywhere in one sense, you know. Um, but you know, I'm not to say that like we've got the perfect answer either. I think that I mean, where where are people getting it wrong? <sighs> We could talk about. I mean, again, I mean specifically in in digital marketing. I think attribution, like it 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 is complex. Like how like you're not going to make money today from just showing an ad, looking at how much that ad cost, and thinking that person I paid a dollar for that person to my website and they didn't purchase, therefore it's a waste of time. You've got to think about customer lifetime value. How did that like fit into that overall consumer journey? What does it mean to your brand reputation? So I, it, I mean, if I, if I was to be as humble to like, you know, say what I think, I mean, I think it's that not enough attention on brand and brand metrics and creating that desirability perhaps before people come into your place to purchase. Um, I mean, in retail generally right now, you are you're seeing like retail sales decline. But you because footfalls down because people aren't going to malls and are shopping online, but you are still seeing conversion rates in stores going up. So and that to me tells me people are doing the research online and come when they come into the store they actually have a higher intent to purchase when they're in there. So I think, yeah, I mean, what are people doing wrong? Maybe they could focus more on creating that intention to purchase. Um, and yeah, the other thing for me is is brand is still key for everybody. It's interesting, like especially talking about attribution. I used to work in mobile gaming, mm-hmm. so it's like always a big word, like getting people to download the apps yeah. and lifetime value of the customer. And I always felt like it was the exact opposite. <laughs> you know, they were just like, "Let's give them points in another game or another, like a couple lives, have them download our app, and then like whatever happens to them after that, 
like who cares but it, like like you said it kind of cheapens the brand like you you're not looking at them as a place that you want to land on and spend time but it's really just a place like you're giving me something in this moment and then like i'm going to forget about you in 10 minutes yeah and how do you explain attribute unless you may be in a gaming company where it's very digital savvy or smart very smart people but how do you explain to like the ceo attribution modeling when you're like okay i'm spending this much on like paid media yeah and I'm not getting the return. And you're like, well, you know, have you thought about like linear modeling and like customer lifetime value? And there's a micro conversion for downloading, like subscribing to our newsletter. It, it's, it's, it gets messy. Yes. And they want to see results now. Yeah. And like you're trying to show them stuff that's happening in like three, four months down the line. And they're like, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And it's so it's uh, that's a challenge as well. Do you have any anecdotes of, like, failed marketing strategies? Um, I, mean, uh, I mean, definitely, like, there's a lot of stuff we've done that's failed. Um, I, th- I mean, investing massively in a CRM program. I mean, invest- people investing in technology, getting sold by salespeople. I mean, in terms of... If we talk about marketing wider to, again, finding customers' conversion, retention, I think there's a lot of mistakes made on retention in, in actually throughout investing in marketing technology without perhaps the knowledge in-house, making the wrong decisions on marketing technology stack. Uh, that can that can be a big failure that's kind of hard to recover from. Um, I mean, no. Otherwise, you know, it's more about creative. Like, what's the creative that's failed? And I think where we have maybe you know where we have maybe made mistakes occasionally or sometimes on creative is that not fully understanding the customer and 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 maybe doing creative that we thought was funny uh we we do some like that's part of our brand as well do mm. do fun stuff uh and you know how do you do humor that works to a really international audience that we have and sometimes i think you know We've got the British humour, which doesn't translate everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and and Swedish, trans- Swedish humour definitely doesn't translate. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> when we met in the lobby, you mentioned that um, it's interesting with hyper students because uh, we go to the digital media creative and you said, we need people like that. Tell us a little bit more. What, what do you think that the... If sneakers and stuff, what sort of people are you guys looking for in the future, and how the how the business is going? Uh, yeah, I've only had great experience hiring people from Hyper. Mm. Shout out Fabio and Josephine, <laughs> uh, because I think it really gives you the stuff that you're doing is theoretical in a sense, but it's so relevant to, to, to organizations. The, the, like how to like how to give feedback. I mean, it's a classic Hyper kid, right? Mm. Come in and like the first day, I want to give you feedback. <laughs> Uh, but uh, you know the, the stuff, the, the brainstorm, all those things. To be honest, you know, copy with pride. We you know take them and, and use them in, in my teams as well. Um, but in the, on the digital creative side, you know, when we're doing storytelling, when we're doing campaigns, how do you do that in a way that's relevant to consumers? That's always number one, right? That, so, what's relevant to consumers? Second, what's the insight you can find about a subject that allows you to create a campaign? And both of those things, what's relevant to consumer and how do you find insight, involve digital. Yeah. So what's relevant to consumers, you know, it needs to be, not doesn't need to be, but it probably needs to involve an aspect of digital. Whether it's the right content for social media, like understanding that this is the kind of thing, this isn't, like right now Instagram 
it's not so much about pretty pictures. I don't know what your Instagrams look like, but mine is just memes. Like it's just memes. So right now, if you want to do something that works on Instagram, it's pretty much going to be a meme. Yeah. Um, and then on the on the digital side, where do you get the insight from? Like that, that gives you that okay, that that's the spark that gives you the insight for a great creative campaign. You're going to find that probably in the data mm. or understanding how the consumers' behaviour. Um, so we'll yeah, I think we and everybody else is, is especially in our most of our media today is owned and earned, right? So we need to come up with stories that are going to get us PR, mm. and we need to create content experiences around that. And we want to make great experiences for customers as well. So, like, we're looking for people who, like, we have a rollout right now as a creative, and it's, it's someone who can kind of think of campaigns, but understand how to, like, make them come to life in digital, who can work with our app development company hmm. to, like, okay, we're going to do some augmented reality stuff. Uh, or we're going to do some image recognition stuff. Uh, or, or, like, this is, this is, you know, this is rather than just a beautiful photo shoot, like, that's kind of flat. Like, how do we actually make people involved in this in this campaign? Mm. So we're looking for, yeah, people who are creative. I think yeah, we don't have to go too far off the beaten track here, mm. but, you know, with AI coming out, you know, it's automating, automation of a lot of tasks. The thing that humans are great at is creativity. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're, you know, you can't really, that's something that you can't pay by the hour for. So if you're looking for a career, I think being something creative is great to be in because, you know, you pay people for your ideas, instead of your time and mm. you're in the right industry. There you go. All <laughs> students. <laughs> your, your inbox is about to explode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got the, the jobs out there right now on our career side. Amazing. I was thinking about the app that you were talking about and also a lot about culture. For me, sneakers and stuff is like so much about culture. It's like you're creating like your own culture with the stores and the bars and people hanging out or locally engaged. How do you continue that with app like what's the idea of of yeah we have to integrate it fully mm. um in a way that isn't as i said cliche to have a big digital store mm. like it's got to be relevant for the consumer so yeah being part of the culture locally connecting with that local tribe of sneakerheads mm. that's everything to us and it's way more important than any of the digital initiatives we're doing so it's like app, app is one way to help us do mm. that so we're doing things like we've got in the pipeline right now. We've got things like, um, again, we, we've got ability to localize the content. Mm. We've got like geolocation of the customer. We've got image recognition. We've got augmented reality. We've got your payment details stored on file. And we've got product, product that people really want. And we've got the kind of SNS brand. That's why we need creative people because mm. like who understand technology to bring it. Like there's so much you can do. So again, one of the things we're working right now is... Um, it's a treasure hunt. We've just opened up uh, our store in Venice Beach, LA. Mm-hmm. Like, make sure if you check it out, if you're down there, it's just probably the most amazing sneaker store I've ever ever seen. Uh, but what we can do with the app is actually you can use the app and go on a treasure hunt on Venice Beach. Mm-hmm. Try and find. We've kind of got a metal detector, like mm-hmm. showing you through through the app. You're kind of seeing a, a metal detector, and you're going to go around and, and hunt for the hype sneakers somewhere on Venice Beach. And if you find them, then you're going to get access to, to, the, to the limited edition sneakers. Uh, we have we open up in Tokyo. We're looking at how do we, you know, how do we do a pop up in, in advance of opening where we might be able to like have QR codes on the coffee cups which unlock experiences. So there's like, I think you know everyone's looking to Pokemon Go as a really good example of how you do all these kind yeah. of things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's great, I'm really in a way glad we launched the app this year instead of maybe like two years ago mm-hmm. because the technology's moved on so fast that it's. N- 
shout at my developers, but it's not as hard as it used to be mm. to kind of create these experiences. Mm. So we've got yeah, a bunch of creative ideas and things we're in process of developing right now. And also, like, bring, I mean, there's got to be, there's a strategy there, like bringing everyone into the app and keeping them there and keeping them busy and... Yeah, and keeping the the feed fresh. Mm. Like, so the big challenge is how do you create uh, enough content for the feed, for the app to constantly feel feel new? Then you want to keep going back. And then the other side of it, how do you message? So, a really important part of the app right now we're working on is notifications and marketing automation to make sure we're constantly front of mind and you keep checking in with the app. Yeah. So far, we've got pretty good like numbers and, and pretty good engagement, but we want to make sure it stays that way. Mm. The interesting thing about the treasure hunt reminds me of the Robin game. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. You were hooked on that one. Yeah. Don't get me started. And Uh, I got the app for you. (laughs) (laughs) Remind me again, that was basically you had to share it with a friend to get a potential Mm. ticket. You had to unlock, like, you. it was kind of like a scavenger hunt throughout the city. You had to go, or throughout Stockholm, or around the world even. Mm. And you had to go to different spots to unlock codes. And then you had to exchange, like, artifacts with friends. Um, to get, meet your like daily limit, and it's interesting because it was an app, but it also built a community around uh, the app and the experience. And like people had meetups like early in the morning before going to work, or like at Maria Torget in the park after school. Like you would see just massive crowds of people swapping and like telling their stories. And I don't know, it's kind of cool. And really I think cool. it, yeah, it goes into like taking the the community offline and making it a more meaningful experience for the customer. Like, I, that's something I will always remember about my time being here in Stockholm and being able to do that. So I think that's really, and that speaks to SNS and how you describe them as a community store. And, like, um, I think that's something that you guys do really well is, like, you have a really strong online and offline presence. That's something that I've really felt being here in Stockholm. And I, I know Lynn can say the same um when she thinks of sns but like what advice do you have for companies that are trying to establish that offline connection because i i mean obviously it's unique to each brand but it's something that you guys have really mastered and continued to uh own over your entire heritage so yeah i mean i would definitely say that you know focus on the offline like in terms of doing creating those moments for customer like great book if you've not read it Power of Moments but it's, it's, it's all about how important like you remember those moments you remember that Robin thing uh, and you know much of life you pretty much forget but you have the like if you if you elevate that experience then then that's something that's memorable um, so yeah I mean the digital side even the app to be honest my personal approach has always been get something functional and then you build the bells and whistles on, on top of it and, and, and it's much better than trying to do the bells and whistles and then it's not functional and, and, and the bells and whistles don't really work. Like that, So many projects for me have, have seemed to go down that route where they just didn't quite succeed because of that. Um, so, I mean, what was the question? What advice would I have for companies that are looking to engage with their consumers offline? Yeah, I mean... I understand your customer. That's, I mean, always the easiest answer to everything. But like, perhaps we don't, you know, I don't think you can, and we certainly don't We try because I think you know, we are part of the community. We have so many sneakerheads, so they really understand the customer. Um, but we probably still could spend more time understanding the customer, figuring out what they're interested in, 
Um, I think if we look now, I think there's a certain sector of our customer right now who's spending a lot of time on Twitch, a lot of time probably on TikTok, uh, and we, you know, that's something that we're looking at right now. Okay, how can we maybe use that behavior and the things they're into that's relevant to them to, to create good experiences? What methods are you guys currently using to understand your customers? As I said, you know, it's, it's a business of sneakheads. Uh, and so I would say 95% of the company is you know, so into the community and, and I think represent our customers. Um, so we are, I think we, we're not using any specific techniques to understand our customers other than kind of being part, continue to be part of the community, you know, go out and about, travel, have fun, do the parties we're doing. Um, but I think, you know, that definitely that's an area that we, we should spend more time on. Cool. Do you become a sneakerhead if you weren't before? Yeah, it's impossible not to. Yeah. Um, so as I said, I'm probably one of the 5% that, that didn't come from it from a sneakerhead background, yeah. more from a, like a fashion apparel background. Uh, but, you know, it takes... It's funny. You see people start, like myself included, it takes maybe two, three months and suddenly, you know, your sneaker collection starts and you start getting into the history, you start understanding how deep the culture is. Yeah. Um, and it's not, to be honest, it's not something that, you know, I've been in two years, it's not something, you, you know, you don't get in that easy. You know, no. I'm still kind of like, you know, <laughs> I'm still working my way into the community because it's, it's there's just so much history, so many subgroups uh, and such passion for the product. Um, and then, as I say, sneaking stuff is welcoming to everyone. You don't have to be a massive sneakerhead to, to come and, and purchase from sneaking stuff. But sneaking stuff employees themselves, mm. as I said, ninety five, ninety eight percent are all massive sneakerheads. Mm. Is that an, is that customer an adv- I mean, there's so many subcultures as you mentioned. There's so many like the exclusive shoes and having shoes that or sneakers that don't really. Did I call it shoes? Oh my god. I mean, it's the same thing to yeah. me. Don't, don't, don't call it trainers. <laughs> trainers. Don't call it trainers. That was a mistake. British English. We yeah. did it like, never trainers, always sneakers. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it's. I'm thinking is that customer group an advantage compared to like the people? I mean, it's always different, but they're so specific. There's so many things about sneakers and and the whole culture. Yeah. Does that make it harder or does it make it easier? Both. So it makes it harder in you have to be authentic. Mm. You cannot have too many people like me, to be honest, who, mm. who don't come from a massive sneakerhead background. Mm. Obviously, we don't just we sell stuff as well as sneakers, but uh, <laughs> it's majority sneakers. Uh, and so we have to be authentic in what we do uh, and have to really like hire the right people, connect with the community. Um, but it makes it easier in that you know it's a real it's a tribe it's a niche mm. if you're validated if you're authentic then there's loyalty there um there's an increased brand perception uh from being you know they hold those you know you can you can put a logo on a t-shirt and sell the t-shirt if your if your brand is is, is that that high within that community um and i think you know what's what's great about sneaking stuff you know i say now but it's 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 unamazonable Right, because if you're not in a niche, your business is probably very much a f- threat from Amazon. Mm. Uh, if you're just selling product, you can get everywhere. Like even in you know in clothing, they're getting into that. In sneakers, they're getting into that. But you know, I think they're coming to Sweden, right? It's pretty soon. Um, but it, we're in a niche that you know it's going to stay a niche, and I think we can. That that's, Amazon is never going to. As soon as Amazon sell a product we have, then we've got the wrong product. I think we're going to wrap it up. Yes. 
we've asked previous guests um, because we invite you because of your <laughs> profession and because you're nice people, of course. So now you renamed yourself because you're not the chief digital officer, sort of <laughs> ish ish. Uh, and my question was um, for anyone that's interested in becoming someone like you. <laughs> How would they get started? I mean, you told us about your story, but how do you see the future? Yeah, I, I guess mine's not a traditional way mm-hmm. in. I, I think join a join you know join an e-commerce team. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's almost boring these days to to do it this way, but I still think it's the right way. You know, you join an e-commerce team, you work in a part of the e-commerce team, you get the experience, you figure out: do you want to be a specialist or a generalist? Mm-hmm. My role is a generalist role, but you know, people get super into paid marketing or super into social media and. Like if you're passionate about those things, then 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 go for it. Mm. Um, otherwise, if you want to be a generalist, then you just got to build up your experience in logistics, in in marketing, in technology. Um, and so yeah, so a role like mine is very much a generalist role, is a business role. So it, to be honest, it, it, some of it is just putting like being hungry for more information, being passionate about what you do, and putting the time in in, in different parts of the business. Mm. Do you have any good uh, advice in general for people? Like making a career and stuff like that. It's so cliched, isn't it? Like it is follow cliche. your dreams. Right? No. I'm not sure that is right. Right? You're is a guru. That, I really like the. Uh, to be honest, I love that three circle thing. Right? What are you good at? Mm. What do you enjoy doing? And what will pay, people pay you to do? Yeah. And like find that bullseye. Yeah. And that's that's the way to go. I mean, for me, it feels like not everyone like people want to just jump straight in these days to be like creative strategist or yeah. like yeah business strategy but I think you need I still think you need to put a bit of time in first thank you so much wise words yeah yes do you want to take us take it take it out shut it it down yeah shut it down well thank you again Kieran for joining us in the studio today it's really been a pleasure and thank you again to Beppa Studios for their continued support until next time yeah thank you see you bye the här programmet görs på Beppo 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 Beppo.se <laughs>